I'm Osher Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Hi, I'm Georgia Love, and you're listening to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Hello! Welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor Australia podcast that asks the question, once you go vacco, can you ever truly go vacco? <laughs> Dogs go wacko <laughs> for vacco. Uh, good, we are back for another season. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Max. That's Dave. Hello. We've been giving love a shot for three years now on this podcast. Sometimes we're joined by our friend Kelly. Sometimes we're joined by special guests. Sometimes we're all alone. (laughs) (laughs) And we have to ask our housemates and girlfriends to keep quiet because they're in their next room. (laughs) Whoops. All right. The idea is simple. We both have arts degrees. We both work in the music industry. What else are we going to do with all of these critical cultural analysis skills that are decaying by the minute Mm. than to put them to use looking at this perfect, terrible television show? Xavi, I have a question. Mm. How the hell are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Because I thought... Even though there might be new people joining the show mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. you know uh, listening to us for the first time, it's also been a little while since you and I were chatting, and so we've got a little bit to catch up on. That's true. I'm doing well. That's great. Things are good. Mm-hmm. Um, what have I done since the last time we spoke? <laughs> Went to see. Uh, I saw the Angry Birds movie. Finally got around to oh, it. Oh, what was it like? Not too good. Mm. How have you been? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nothing happened here either. Um, <laughs> what do you mean nothing? <laughs> we don't know what you're talking about. The Angry Birds do... Uh, there's a whole podcast about this, so I won't go into it too All much. Right, but the Angry Birds do drink pee in oh. the Angry Birds movie. Okay. Um, which is an unexpected highlight. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know. Drinking piss in popular culture. Look, mm-hmm. uh, not to piss too much in your pot plant, Zave, but we've got to move <laughs> forward with the podcast. There is a lot of uh, piss, a.k.a. like cheap... Uh, d- you know, domestic sparkling wine being drunk <laughs> on, on The Bachelor. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is our first season of Batchy post Honey Badger, right? Which I think is really important. Um, and that it's really also, sets yeah. the stage for what is going to be happening here. I because think. this is a season that is promising to have a defined ending. Mm. Have you recovered truly since the last Bachelor season? There has been so much. Uh, so this year for the first time, and I've been mm-hmm. following this show for quite a long time, this is my first time working in an office, working full-time with other people who are interested in The Bachelor. Okay. And so I have the joy of running the Batchy sweepstakes in my office. Very good. Which is like an incredible honor bestowed upon me <laughs> that I, you know, cherish every moment that I get to, you know, cross another name off the thing that we have hanging on the fridge. I use a red highlighter. Oh, that's good. It's like you're dead. Because it's red also is the language of love. Mm. <laughs> I think that's... And blood. French, maybe. Is the <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's um, your play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, there is a general feeling that we have been wronged. There is some mis- distrust. Mistrust. Yes. And even his 
his trust has been <laughs> ruined. <laughs> I feel like people are less good engaged and less excited. And Channel 10 knows that, and so they have gone all out with, like, this is going to be the wholesome bachelor. He's the opposite of Honey Badger. Honey Badger did not have glasses. Matt has glasses sometimes. You better fucking believe that sometimes he puts them on his face. Right. And um, Honey Badger was a sport guy, and Matt is like us, I might say. Mm. And there's a distinction to be made here um, that he is a a PhD graduate or, or... what is he eligible or something? He's uh, can't, you can't cuddle one. That's all we've learned so far. Mm. So he's been studious. Yes, yeah. I don't know how to get a PhD despite <laughs> having a Bachelor of Arts, um, but I would say that there is obviously quite a lot similar between him and us. Yes. Uh, just ground rules for us. Hello, if, t- if it's your first time, we came here to make friends. Right. We really hope that you came here to make friends too. Uh, if you want to come on this great big group date with us. If you want to come on this great big group date with us, this is kind of... I thought we could do just a lay of the land and what you sure, can expect of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll go through each episode. We'll break down what we loved, what we didn't love. We'll say some hellos and goodbyes. Remember sure. we used to do that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we'll talk about sort of like the how and the why of the show. <laughs> By the way, you just been into hellos and goodbyes. Like, we introduce each episode by <laughs> saying hello. And when we leave, uh, it's time to go and we say goodbye. Uh, we're, we're talking about the people who come and, and leave the show. Yeah. yeah, and we will do the podcast maintenance stuff as well, where we will say hello and goodbye to you. Right. If any breaks need to be taken, we'll make sure to address them. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we're going to play a clip, we won't pretend it's one of us speaking. <laughs> and so on. Uh, so, yeah, like the uh, the how and the why is mm. what we're interested in here. Right. It's sort of like the way that the show is put together in a linear way to tell a story and how sometimes, I don't know, you really have to, uh, what, wilt some white roses in order to get there. Mm, mm. And we l- we're interested in reading between the lines and the kinds of things that we think might be happening that mm-hmm. aren't being addressed. Yes. Um, and we're interested in the context that these events take place within uh, and what they have to say about the society that we live in. This and is we're the world that we live in. Right. Mm. And we're also interested in doing silly jokes <laughs> and doing funny voices sometimes. <laughs> I promise uh, no funny voices this season. Really? No. I feel like you've made that promise before. <laughs> it doesn't last Can't too long. it. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes here, and I already have at least one funny voice that I have coming. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Scheduled. Within the next, like, three minutes. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Whereas I have no choice but to speak in my usual funny voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so The Bachelor this season, uh, let's talk about him. 31-year-old astrophysicist Matt Agnew from Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Xavier, what was your first impression of Matt? Do you do you even have one? Okay, so, like, do you mean when he was first announced? Just through two episodes. Okay, right. So so from everything we've seen up until now, I mean, like when he was first announced, I was like, wow, they have really come right at the king, aka me. Right. Because he is like short brown hair, Mm -hmm. glasses, Mm -hmm. very clever and smart, of course, very hunky and six pack abs. Yes. Um, And I was like, look, they could have just called me. Um, but now getting to know him they a little bit, I know, right? Yeah, I mean, I publicize it at the end of every episode, so <laughs> listeners, don't stick around for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, now that I have gotten to know him a little bit more over the course of these two episodes, mm. I have learned that he is in fact not quite as interesting as me. Sorry, guys, ah, it's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, he's uh, he, he seems like fun. He seems like his heart is probably in the right place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems like um, he's certainly a very good pick. Yes, absolutely. And it comes on the heels of Honey Badger. And we can talk in a minute about how the show is 
working super hard to characterize him as kind of the exact opposite of what we've seen before. Mm. But I want to touch just quickly on the fact that this is the first time in three years that we've gotten a bachelor or bachelorette that we haven't known before. Right, that's true. He is completely pu- plucked from obscurity. Yeah. Um, which is uh, kind of refreshing to, to people like you and me, although we're kind of old school. I worry about us being like, you know, trapped in the old ways of like, you know, like when you meet an old person at a concert and they're like, oh, yeah, get off your phones and like, you know, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want to just be like, oh, the way that the show used to work was better. Yeah. But I also think that without some of the baggage that comes with maintaining a brand and all of that stuff, um, I mean, obviously, Matt is trying to build his brand now. Sure, yes. Um, but without having to be the Honey Badger or be Sophie Monk as we expect them to be, it means that they can, you know, explore the space a bit more. Yeah, he's the first one that we've had. So we had Georgia Love, who uh, obviously still came from TV. Mm. And then there was Sam Wood, who didn't really have that much of a background. And mm. I would say Sam's the last one where we were really introduced to someone cold mm. uh, like a genuine nice man mm. after what i might add was an epic failure with blake garvey right yeah so it's an interesting bit of synchronicity there isn't it yeah. i'm wondering if we might look at the tropes from sam wood's season and mm. see if they manifest this season in uh the way that things work with our astrophysicist batchy mm. matt um what are your takes on matt I kind of don't have any. And this is part of the problem that I have going in through two episodes is mm-hmm. that we spent a lot of time, and it's necessary, right? And it's hard to, to uh, get the balance right. Yeah. But my criticism, if I, if I have one from the first uh, two episodes, is that we don't know enough about this man. He's a little yet. bit hard to pin down. Yeah. Um, I want to know what he's like when he's not on the camera. Mm. And I understand that that's quite hard and it's difficult to jam someone's personality into a lot of sort of 30 second sound bites. Mm. But at the same time, the show's got a lot of work to do to talk to us about why this person is the way he is and mm. what are his proclivities outside of looking at the stars and being superimposed over mystical Vincent van Gogh nightscapes. <laughs> yes. We're hitting a lot of the sort of touchstones of the series within these first two episodes. There's a bit of like gazing out onto horizons. Definitely. There's like shirtless strolls along the beach, which is like, none of this is a problem to me or, no. or to anyone watching really. Um, and, and it's not a surprise that um, we're not going super deep at this point, but you're right. Like it, it, I look forward to the point where we have a bit more to, to tear into with him. There are some good things as well. And I want to touch on those too. Um, he's introduced by the show as no ordinary man, which I think means that he meets the brief, right? Like, mm. the idea is that this man is supposed to be the most eligible bachelor in the country. But I think that there's also, like, a second reason in the way that we're being introduced to him, and that is because of the honey badger, right? It's sort of like there's this, like, voice of God who's coming over the top and being like, this time, the bachelor is different. Yeah. He's a nerd. Yeah. Which is funny because that did seem to be how they were positioning the honey badger. Mm. Um, you know, despite him being a quote unquote every man, um, it you know, they, they were also saying like, you know, he's not handsome like the rest of them. You know, he looks a bit different, he speaks a bit different, he behaves a bit different. He says that uh he's come on this show because he likes things to be based in evidence. And I quote The Bachelor is a show with a proven history of success. Now, I mean, you can interpret that phrase a number of different (laughs) ways. It has certainly had some rating success. 
Um, uh, mm-hmm. If you choose to look at it charitably, with you know, it, it, in involving all of the uh, spin-offs and you know everything that might have taken place outside of the show and that kind of thing, sure. <laughs> uh, and and you know, the Australian Bachelor, even because you know, even with its slightly tepid. Uh, last few seasons worth of relationships. It's still, I think, percentage-wise, has a better track record than, like, the American Bachelor. That's probably true. Um, so, you know, I guess. Yeah. But also, like, as a scientist, it seems as though he is dismissing some evidence. <laughs> there might be some evidence to the contrary. There might be some evidence that says 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Anyway, mm-hmm. what do you do about that? Mm. Mm. Uh, you give it a red hot go, <laughs> don't you? Just give that shit a crack. Yeah. yeah. Um, luckily, mm. in terms of um, science and maths and statistics and stuff. Great. Keep going with he's this. He's got a big pool to work with. Uh, okay, good. And we see him... Diving in and out of a bunch of big pools. I'm not talking about the, the pool at the Bachelor Mansion. Oh, I'm doing what's called a metaphor. <laughs> this is something I learned about in university. You're gonna have to string me along here. Okay. Well, I mean, he. Uh, I mean, let's compare this with somebody like uh, Sophie Monk. Yep. Uh, who had like I don't know, <laughs> like four men to choose That's from. That's true. That's true. You know, they were like, hey, welcome to The Bachelor. It's already the finals. <laughs> um, Matt, we start off the first episode, there's a shit ton of women and then they just pile on another they stack of them the next on day. coming. It's yeah. really good and we get to know a significant amount of them and mm-hmm. maybe it's a little bit at the expense of getting to know Matt, but what we get out of it is uh, the idea that there's a real um, diverse pool of contestants this season and we'll meet them in a minute I just want to say also that they make a real point of making Matt vulnerable within the first like five minutes of this show that is true and I really like that yeah 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 there are actually quite a few like good moments of vulnerability Mm -hmm. we're five minutes into the show and he's like uh, having this glistening shot of him running shirtless on a beach talking about how his biggest fear is ending up alone and it's, I don't know, that's really kind because I, as far as I know, the Honey Badger's biggest fear was like running out of fucking women to dismiss in the mansion last yeah. season. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like it, it was, his it was biggest cool. fear was like losing all his sponsorships and nobody <laughs> buying his book <laughs> and then it came true. Uh, good. Um, yeah. So I, I really like that. And we get to this point where it's like Matt's establishing himself as this like new age, vulnerable, cool guy and Q. Mm-hmm. Osher Gunsberg's Voice of God narration in which he launches into all of these, like, space puns. Yes. Did you... It's Oh, this is golden. This speech that Osher gives to begin the season is jam-packed with this kind of stuff. He positions Matt as a down-to-earth bachelor. Great. I'm pretty sure, like, up in space, interstellar, mm-hmm. um, uh, rocket launcher. Stars in his stars eyes. Stars in his eyes. Yeah. The whole, you know... Anything you can think. Yeah. yeah. This was wonderfully done. I wish we had... Uh, I mean, like, this is the reason you get an astrophysicist to be on the show, Precisely. Right? So that you can say, like, ah, oh, I'm going to see if one of these women will moon him. <laughs> uh, probably not one of them. Um, uh, uh, she's got more rings than... I'm going to put a ring on it. Like, say... We're going to have to do some science. This is why we do make the show. We just make <laughs> this show. Mm. Um, so... Uh, Osha says that uh, Matt is a down-to-earth bachelor, and it's really clear that they're trying to make the distinction from the crock of nonsense 
that mm. we were privy to in 2018, even mm. though they kind of were also positioning the Honey Badger as like, he's this down-to-earth Aussie bloke. Mm. But this time it's like, I think the coded way of saying what they're saying is like, he's normal. Mm. And we cut straight away to the most down-to-earth thing that I can imagine, mm-hmm. which is a preview of this season <laughs> in which various histrionic interpersonal dramas are uh, played out in depth mm. over intensifying strings. Yes, yes, yes. In <laughs> rapid <laughs> speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing spells. Down to earth, romance, you know, all this nice stuff. They're trying to... You can't really have it both ways, can you? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of, that's kind of it. Mm. Um, they're showing Matt to be very self-aware and also hammering home that distinction that he's a science nerd, bachelor, you know, um, and that's probably the last thing that they're expecting Mm. and it's this really smart way of setting up the audience's expectations but it does create this overhanging question which osha asks as we meet matt on the red carpet Mm -hmm. and he says what's a man like you doing single yeah it's a really good question totally a lot of people uh have been asking me this yeah and you know people in my office when they were considering buying a ticket they're like well what's wrong with this totally Yeah, in response to that question, uh, Matt tells Osha that he's loved hard and hurt hard, Mm. and somewhere off in the distance, Bruce Willis is like, with a vengeance? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It doesn't really give us any answers, so it's something that we have to keep an eye on moving Mm. forward. Like We've seen that he's expressed a lot of vulnerability, Mm. but are they going to allow him to be flawed um, and normal Mm. in the way that uh, or in the wake of a honey badger who is deeply flawed. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I guess, like, the cynical answer to why he is on The Bachelor and why, you know, what is wrong with this guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is, like, he doesn't currently have as many Instagram followers as he would like. Ah, that's true. Which, like, is an underlying thing with this show all the time. It that's has been right. The entire duration of this podcast, you know, and it is a, it is a crucial element. But if they can strike the right balance and if we can believe in it and we can forget about that stuff and we can suspend disbelief and we can believe in the love story, the show's doing its job. We're having a lovely time. Mm-hmm. And if they don't do all the like, weird <laughs> racist, homophobic <laughs> shit that they occasionally get into on the show, that's icing. <laughs> it really it really is icing. Unfortunately, I don't think we're out of the woods for this season. <laughs> but I will say that um, if you are to look at it, in the cynical kind of way, mm-hmm. Dr. Brian Cox is getting pretty old. <laughs> you know, like he's a very handsome man yeah. and he's everyone's go-to hot science guy. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, Australian media, what happens when Dr. Carl goes? Oh my God, don't Wh- utter those words. When Max. he retires, oh, okay, you know, God, like yeah. this, at a certain point. Well, uh, you know, yes, everyone's time on this earth, as I'm sure Dr. Carl would tell us, <laughs> is limited. <laughs> I don't know what his field is, but I'm sure he would agree that everyone dies. Right, but as we uh, come towards uh, the convergence of Australia and the world needing a new science man, mm. hey, what better way to uh, to do it than to make yourself uh, an available and attractive bachelor who speaks well right. and is kind of funny on national TV. Oh my god, I've just figured something out about Dr. Matt Agnew. Yes. It kind of sounds like his last name is like, I knew. You know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> let's ask Dr. Matt. I knew. I knew that answer already. I don't know. Is something? <laughs> Alright. 
Well, we solve mysteries all the time here <laughs> on this podcast. Some of them big, some of them uh, non-existent. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> let's meet the women, Zave. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get started. <laughs> um, generally, the way that this works is if you get a full segment dedicated to you in the introductory episode, like if you get out of the limo and you get to tell your story, yeah. we can expect you to stick around for a long time mm-hmm. and you'll either end up being a real contender on the show yeah. or you'll be a villain. Yes. Yeah. And but either way, you're going to get camera time for at least the next few weeks. Exactly. Right. Uh, and if not, it's usually a middle of the pack finish or worse. Yeah. And through one episode, I counted, they did a pretty even job of giving us lots of different people to concentrate on. Okay. So they gave yeah. us... Uh, in total, there were 10 full packages. Right. Then there were two women who got the back end of a montage package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were given a uh, speaking opportunity off the back of that package. Yeah. So we got to know them as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the other eight women were have been banished to obscurity. Right, yes. Yes. And uh, God forbid we ever mention their <laughs> names because I do not know. <laughs> you didn't take them down, did you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Look, I have taken down everybody's name, okay, and fantastic. we will learn them. Great. Yeah. Um, so for, for those of you who are trying to run your office betting pool, yes, and this is your only source of information, <laughs> we got you covered. We have got you covered. We are your middlemen with the middle... Middle Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, so first up is 25-year-old Mauritian health and wellness coach, Eleanor. Mm. Uh, Helena, without the H. Right. Uh, and in this flowing, beautiful, high-necked white dress, she enters and Matt asks her to give him a spin. Yes. How are you feeling? Uh, look, she looks very glamorous. She does. Less of a cleavage window, more of a, like a full body diamond. Totally. It's the high neck. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they get on really well pretty much straight away. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things where he, um, really dives in and he's like, what are you looking for in a partner? Mm. And then he pauses and he says, sorry, sorry, so, so sorry. It sounds like I'm interrogating you. Yeah. And... I kind of found that really endearing. Yeah, yeah. I like that too because it's like, he doesn't want to, he knows that this thing is freaking people out already. Right. He doesn't want to like ruin their life by approaching this the wrong way. Exactly. He wants to give people a fair shot. And it's also nice um, to circle back to the question that we asked before that maybe, yeah, we are going to see him be a little bit flawed and nervous on the first night and that he doesn't have to be the picture of, you know, total cool, calm, mm. and composed, suave James Bondness. Because here's the thing. It's a, ty- it's a dichotomy that mm-hmm. is alive within this man. He is very hot. Yes. But he is also a nerd. <laughs> How do these two <laughs> things coexist? <laughs> it creates an interesting situation for a, for a human being. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't really know anything other about Eleanor. The only other thing that I've um, sort of noticed was that... Um, I only know one other Martian, and uh, he's called Marvin (laughs) from the Looney Tunes franchise, and they look nothing alike. No, they don't look the same. Yeah. So Um, I think there's some investigative (laughs) research there to be done for you if you would like to. Certainly. It might surprise you to hear that I've actually seen some of those cartoons already. Ah, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, just on Elena, before we move on, there's also this little bit of accent stuff. Yeah. Because he really likes her accent, and then she speaks to him in French. That's correct. Which is like, this happens a fair bit on the Yeah. Matchy. 
but I just thought it played really nicely. It's a trope, and we certainly see it play out like four times in this episode, mm. uh, to the point where I'd have just stopped noting it down entirely. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Uh, except we're super, super relevant. Yeah. And yeah, I thought this was a, a pretty nice execution of that thing that we see all the time. Yes. It was cute. Yes. She seems cute. She seems nice. Next is Chelsea. She's 28 and from Melbourne, and like Matt, she has a science background. That's right. Um, we saw in her cast bio that she is a chemical engineer. That's correct. Which is definitely a job that I know what it is. <laughs> Another one of those. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. I think about like a regular engineer. Yep. And then add chemicals. Yeah. I mean, we've all been pretending as a society that we know what engineers do mm-hmm. since day dot. I assume it's got to do with engines, which I definitely know how they work as well. Definitely me too. It's yeah. all levers, I believe. Or yeah. levers? Steam is involved. Mm, it's got it co- something comes out the other end. <laughs> <laughs> she gives Matt the uh, love chemical, uh, a temporary tattoo of oxytocin, which I saw some grumbling about online in terms of the chemical properties and what it what it does and what it's actually used for. Well, oxycontin is very addictive. Mm, that's a quite troublesome true. drug. Yeah. Yes, um, and Matt suggests that he put it right on his heart. In confessional, she's like, "He's smart." And in confessional, he's like, I'm getting a warm blush from Chelsea, which is weird. But I think it may have something to do with the fact that he is like, two women in, his titty is out. And like, it's not the last time. Like, he is really, he's a titty forward bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) He is like, yeah, he's proud of what is happening there and he has every reason to be. Yeah. Um, But I mean, there's, (laughs) you can see the camera people are just like, all right, we've got a season of Bachelor on our hands. When Mm -hmm. they get to go in for that crash zoom on his like (laughs) juicy (laughs) meal. All right. So I don't uh, know anything about the betting numbers for this season. I purposely not looked at it. Mm. I don't pretend to have any kind of insider information about spoilers or the outcome of this show. Yeah. I think Chelsea's the winner. That's very interesting because yes. I don't uh, you have deliberately avoided these and yes. maybe some of our listeners have as well, so if you don't want to hear about it, that's totally fine. You feel free to skip past You've got this 30 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's tipped to be the winner. Is she truly? She's tipped to be the winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the sites think she's going to win. Amazing. It? Yeah, it's pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Um, I wonder if that is uh, first episode bias or if that relates to a little bit more insider intel, someone spilling the beans a little bit later down the line. It's interesting because I didn't get that vibe from that first episode on watching it. Really? But then uh, thinking more about it and then obviously having that confirmation bias from those uh, numbers, maybe. Maybe. But also, they're not always right. That's true. Last season they had Brittany as the winner and as we know, the real winner was... Absolutely no one in the Fucking country. no one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which I notice is now an option. You can bet ah, for nobody to happen again. Um, but yeah, as I told my workmates, as I've told a lot of people who talk to me about this show, mm. and by the way, it's very sweet that people come to me as an expert very on this nice. show. But the only accurate way of predicting what will happen, the only resource that you can really use is this podcast. That's absolutely so right. And we right do place. thank you for liking and yes. subscribing. Yes. Now, cue the slinky music for Abby's blue gown curls. She is 23. She works in property. And she asked Matt to spin before delivering the line that was in all of the promos. Right. He says, I'm an astrophysicist. And she says, I'm I'm a a Gemini. Gemini. I thought Abby was joking. I also thought she was joking. She later confirmed that she was joking. Yep. And I thought it was very charming. 
Me too. Like, I legit just think that's a funny joke. Yeah. She has a good sense of humor. I thought that was really dry, and it's and really it's been weird. Willfully misinterpreted. Yes, totally. By the marketing team, and then picked up as a viral sensation by people in the Bachelor community overseas, mm-hmm. in Rose Nation. Yeah. Uh, they're like... What the hell's going on? Oh, I guess they didn't use a thick Australian accent. Like, Yeehaw, what's rootin' tootin' down there in Australia? <laughs> what's rootin' tootin'? All right, well, I didn't realise we were back in Honey Badger territory so quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think rootin' tootin' is part of the reason why he was disqualified <laughs> yeah. by the end of the show. Um, yeah, it's really weird that they isolated this moment and broadcast it out to try to make her look dumb. I think she has been kind of really <laughs> publicly humiliated by this. Yeah. But I do think, like, everything beyond this, mm. uh, I don't know if it's a good edit or if she just comes across really well, but I like Abby. Me too. Um, you know, it, 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 and it's, you know, the show is in, in her favor, I think, generally, more mm-hmm. so than I might have anticipated from that clip. Yeah, we're seeing two things from Abby so far. One of them is that she's becoming a really promising narrator for the show. We're sure. going to her a lot in confessionals for like the reasonable take, and there's a good example of that later on. Mm-hmm. And then we're also seeing like a different haircut for every shot that she's in. Right. Yeah. So okay. So let's go a little deep on Abby mm-hmm. because um, as the uh, cast was being announced for this show, I went through using our Bachelor of Hearts podcast account and followed every single one of them. Yep. Uh, they were all on private at the time that I did that, which I found interesting. Interesting. And in fact, if I can go a little deeper into this, <laughs> they then all came off private at exactly the same time on the same day. And then the official Bachelor page posted all of their Instagram handles on in stories. It was, I assume, to complete the necessary like um, cross-checking of every profile to make sure that no one else had said or For done sure. anything. But I think stupid. it's rarely been this public. It has rarely been like, hey, we are giving you an endorsement of your, you know, like normally it's like, okay, they're on Bachelor. People are going to go like, oh, I wonder what her Instagram is like or whatever. Yep. In this instance, it's like, you are going to follow Abby. Yeah. So we added everybody. Abby was the only one to add us back. Oh, Abby. So we like Abby. We do like Abby. I she, didn't know that. She Fantastic. did unfollow us. We hate Abby pretty quickly so after that. much. But, you know, she put in, she put, uh, she gave us a minute. Terrible. The one thing I noticed from the looking at her Instagram um, is that the curls that she shows up with on night one, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say whether she has always had curly hair and straightened it every single day up until she arrived on the Bachelor Mansion, or perhaps it was the other way around. Perhaps yep. it was just a brand new perm or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. It's gone by episode two. Isn't it interesting? Mm. I wonder if people with curly hair just kind of get used to being able to wear all kinds of different hairstyles. I guess. Yeah, because it might be... I don't know, wildly unmanageable and mm. out of control. So mm. you've got to kind of braid it back or do a bunch of different stuff. But there was like three different times in this episode where I was like, who's that? Abby. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the truth with her hair is somewhere in between the very straight and the very curly looks mm. that we mm. see. But she's just showing us every single uh, She's got so many looks and flaunt it, girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you watch Queer Eye and they're like, we're going to design you outfits for every single kind of event you could go to. Totally. And uh, wear them all right now and you look fantastic. Uh, and then at the end of the show, they're just wearing one of them and you're like, oh, okay, that's probably the one that they'll wear. <laughs> yeah, that's the nice outfit yeah. that they'll yeah, yeah, be yeah. wearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on with a gong. Oh, no. And some Chinese guitars. And it's like, some... like traditional ish. 
mandolin. I'm not an expert on this stuff. If I only some was. I think the instrument's called a yukine. Okay. Um, we're hearing a lot of Eastern scales because it is time for 24-year-old Kristen mm. to come on the screen and say, I'm a China researcher. And I go, oh, like the... Um, uh, Crockery? <laughs> Crockery, like plates and bowls and stuff. <laughs> interesting. I bet you uh, dig up some interesting finds, right? Something? Yeah. She uh, says, I hope I remember to speak English. Now, well, Max, pop yes. quiz for you. Yes. If you had to guess, mm. what ethnicity is Kristen? <laughs> I would have to guess. Would you say she is from China? I would have to guess that no, Kristen is not from China. Mm. Would you say that, and it's not, you know, <laughs> would you say that she's maybe got Chinese relatives of some kind? I or? would assume, if I could be completely honest with you, that she is as white and as Anglo-Saxon as they come. She is one of the whiter people <laughs> on this season of The Bachelor, one of the whiter shows that there is. She says her friends call her the China girl and she wants to run an empire where young Australians can learn Mandarin. Mm-hmm. All of these things in isolation seem okay. Okay, sure. Right? Yes. Mandarin is a rapidly, uh, you know, uh, expanding language. Mm. Uh, there are many, many people who speak it, and it is within the interests of Australians to have more cultural knowledge broadly, and uh, particularly with this language that is spoken by so many people. Sure. Definitely. Great. In a vacuum, mm. I think it is beautiful that there is a person on this show who is so culturally fascinated with something that is not theirs and that they are really, really passionate about bringing it to this country. We like people to be passionate about stuff. Really cool. Great. Unfortunately, I don't think Kristen is in on this joke at all. No. And it's a bad joke on the part of this country, yeah. which is like <laughs> others. Yes. You know? That, but that is the tone. Yes. Yeah. Um, at the same time, there's like uh, a dichotomy of exploitativeness mm. that runs throughout Kristen. It, what's make her, it makes her a really like complex and fascinating case study that we'll get to see throughout this season. Yes. She also sounds pretty rehearsed in her introduction. There's a bit of that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. She says, yes, hi Matt, it's me, Kristen. Let me tell you about me, Kristen. And then she's holding this very small wooden box. Mm. And there's all these very Austin Powers jokes to the tune of, like, I can see you looking at my box. Would you like to look inside my box? What is going on with this person? Yeah. It's like they gave her one of these things to do as a bit, and then they realized the other one was going to be more fun or something. Yeah. They tried to just have it both ways. Yeah. I don't really know. Like, I also think there's, a, I guess, a deeper chat to have about, like, cultural representation and appropriation both on Kristen's part and the part of the show because I think what Kristen's trying to do is represent Mm. uh, culture and she's signed her life away to a TV program that is by nature kind of exploitative. Mm. So let me put it this way. There's something that tells me that thinks like we haven't reached the high watermark in terms of cultural appropriation for this season and mm. uh, maybe we should wait on that chat knowing that there is that uncomfortable baseline already mm. of like every time we see her she's giving a confessional in uh 
Mandarin that we know that she's been asked to have given, right. and she's accompanied by that particular sound. Yes. Um, all of this stuff is disappointing, um, but I, I think you're right that it is probably only going to get worse. Yep. Um, so let's just... Yeah, this is one of the elements that we have to play with this season. It's really odd because she seems so, so super passionate, but also so naive to the process. Yeah. And that's probably what makes her ideal casting. Yeah. But at the same time, it's what makes it a hard and not even hard, like a really confusing thing to watch play out on the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Because what it boils down to and like your gut reaction to it is like, you know, she says she spent two years in China and she became very fascinated with China and she wanted to, and like, you know, she wanted to help people get to know more about China and this sort of thing. And the read that you get from that on a surface level is like, what is this insane white woman doing? She is appropriating this culture that is not hers. Yeah. Um, and I think there's been a lot of criticism about her to that... Uh, what's the word? Extent, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but I don't necessarily think that she is just a racist. No, um, I don't think so at all. Yeah. I um, don't... I, I feel like the show is trying to create that narrative, perhaps, so that people will be outraged and post things on Twitter about her. I think the show's really having its cake and eating it too, because it's captivating the part of the country that wants to go, ha, 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 look at that, that's different. Yeah. And then also the part of the country that goes, that's stealing from someone else's culture and beliefs. Mm, right. And maybe there's a middle ground where someone just wants to be a really tacit and willing endorsement for people who are different. And it seems that, like, I don't doubt Kristen's motivation in being pretty pure mm. um, and loving the thing that she says that she loves. Yeah. And I just, I think, it feels a bit like take advantage of yeah, yeah. within the first couple of episodes. Yeah. Now, the montage. Yes. In order. So that's everyone who's important. Yes. Yeah. In order, we see Brianna, who says she loves Lego. Jesse, who asks if Matt is ready to hold on to me for the ride of your life. And Matt says, yes. Hmm. Isabel, who teaches Matt pelvic Pilates and has a foot tattoo. And Mary, who comes out in this giant Brazilian headdress and teaches Matt to dance. That's right, because she's from Rio That's and right. therefore she has to wear <laughs> headdress and <laughs> everyone must Lord. be boiled down to their simplest <laughs> element. Uh, speaking of boiling down to the simplest element, mm-hmm. arguably the funniest one of them all is Hannah, who does the Love Actually thing with the cue cards. Oh yeah, this is fun. It's really weird. She goes... It could start out like any rom-com, and this is all like written on cue cards, so she's not talking at all, yeah. and then she changes the cue card and says, but it could end up, changes the cue card, as this picture of Maddie J and Laura from a previous <laughs> season of this show. I, I like it. It's fun. It's, it's meta. so weird. It's super weird. I howled when this came up on the <laughs> TV. Too. Yeah. And she howled when he picked up that it was a Love Actually reference, which must be one of the more common movies, right? Totally. Yeah. I feel like this has even happened on Bachelor before. Almost certainly. Yeah. Engine revving, black helmet, incredibly slow dirt bike, puttering towards the batchy. Now we've got a fucking show on our hands, <laughs> baby. <laughs> it's Nicole with an H who says that the batchy needs to be ready for a wild ride. 
She is from Australia's Florida, the Gold Coast, and she is a cafe manager. <laughs> it's pretty clear she is this season's villain, or at least one of them. I love that we get some little like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> she's entering. <laughs> this is such a good fucking entrance. I love this so much. She's a great villain, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, she so far presents as like all of the things that you want her to present as. She's fun to hate, yeah. um, and she gives confessionals that are like, um, equal parts like cutting and like oh yuck yeah you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's like some solid zingers yeah like, it's you know she's not bored she's like having a good time she's really engaged and and being a part of it yeah um, all of a sudden we get a package where she's out on a skateboard she's boxing she says that she's competitive she's we not the ugliest so person much. we get to see so much of her. Like there's a shot, there's shots of her at home, like hanging around, like that. All yeah. that stuff is just like get to know this person. Exactly. Yeah. It makes me think that she's going to be hanging around for a long time. She then says that, like, just the other day, and this is a brag, there were four guys following her down the street, filming them, filming her for their Snapchat. Hmm. Is there's a word for that, right? I think it's called like street harassment. Yeah. 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 Is that? Uh, I I don't know. That felt very odd. Um, it is an odd. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. She is bragging about a cat call, I guess, but she's doing it in quite a forthright right forthright way. Yeah. I mean, it's she has so much confidence that you kind of like get it. Whatever. Girl. Like, yeah. yeah. Sure. If that's if yes, fine. Yes. If that's what if you're. If it's not into, a problem to you, yeah. then like, all right. I don't know. It's a problem to me, but mm. I don't know. Um, she says to him. Is there anything you want to know? Ask me some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she says that she wants a mate to do fun shit with. Yeah. Because, Ma- yeah, Matt's like, what are you looking for? And she's like, just looking for a place to park my dead bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's it. She fangs it off into the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, Puts her helmet back on. Yeah, yeah. Throws a cigarette on the <laughs> side of the road. She's like, see you, see you later. <laughs> Greases her hair and says up yours children rides off smell you later (laughs) now we meet vaco we get curious oboe we get her rehearsing her own name in the car definitely for the benefit of the audience right yeah that's what i was thinking too yeah because we didn't know how to pronounce it No, and we love the bachelor yeah we love this show and like hearing her say vaco enough times Mm -hmm. is enough for everyone to be like that's what got that it. Is. Got my head around it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thank you. She is twenty. <laughs> Middle Australia is like. <laughs> <laughs> She's twenty three. She's a model, a YouTuber, and an influencer. Mm-hmm. And she brings her own red carpet to the red carpet. Fuck yeah! And does the walk. <laughs> yeah. She's a bundle of fun. I really like her. <laughs> She's great. I yeah. thought she was so great. She gets Matt to walk the red carpet. He turns. He smizes, and she says, "I'm pregnant." And then the sultry music starts, and she says, "Once you go black." You never go back, which... Okay. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that? That is a loaded phrase. Yeah. I suppose. Um, I don't know if I have anything incredibly uh, valuable to add to the conversation. It feels like it, it might have been put... She might have been put up to that. I wonder. Yeah. 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 Um, but I like her segment. Um, that line sort of made me cringe a little bit, maybe. Yeah. But um, I thought she was great. And I also thought like she brought out a really fun side of him. Um, there is no doubt in my mind that she will be sticking around for a while. She was also, um, 
One weird thing they did with the rollout this time on social media uh-huh. um, was that they introduced six of the women first right. on social media before putting all the rest of the profiles up. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know why exactly, um, but there uh, there must be some uh, reason that these six particular girls were chosen, mm-hmm. and Vaco was one of them. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. I think... There's some part of me that's like, well, look, she is one of the not very many, but somewhat more than usual non-white people in the cast. Isn't it good? Which is great. Yeah. But there's also a cynical part of me that's like, which is why she's being positioned at the forefront of a lot of the marketing. Or true, true, true. But also like, that's great. You know, it's that's visibility. Good. Like, That's you know. the point, yeah. you know. Um, and I don't know if we're in a cultural climate that can accommodate that kind of cynicism at the moment. I, mm. It's sort of like... We don't get that kind of representation on TV at the moment, mm. and I mean, we do, obviously. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you yeah. and I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, the more of it, the better. Sure. Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, here is the entry for thirty-two-year-old Emma, who seems quite genuine, uh, if quite keen. Yes, I have some questions about Emma. <laughs> the show has definitely decided to make her this season's crazy obsessive archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, she gives Matt she's this some whole kind, spiel. What is she? She's some kind of clinger, but she's not like the first few stages of it. Mm. You know, I would say she is upwards of four stages. It's really interesting. We get um, the full definition of that from uh, Rachel, mm. who we'll meet soon, a little bit later in this episode. Okay, yeah. And she assigns her own scale to Emma, which gives me a little bit of pause and makes me think, maybe we need a new scale altogether. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so Emma... Because as we know it, five is the top stage, <laughs> right? <laughs> she gives Matt this whole spiel about how she loves love, which I am highly suspicious was stitched together uh, because for most of it, we only see Matt's face responding to Emma rather than Emma saying the words. Interesting. Um, Good spotting. Yeah, but she does describe herself as an old-fashioned romantic and she does describe her perfect wedding and she does say she's looking for her happy ending. Mm. Is this the the first time that the uh, wedding slash marriage thing looms over? I feel like that that weddings and marriages are evoked so many times. Definitely. uh, And I feel like quite deliberately over the course of these two episodes, I have a feeling because Australian Bachelor is not explicitly focused on weddings and marriages. True. But I would argue that maybe this season they are trying to make it look like there, there will be a proposal, do you think? Maybe there will How be. But, interesting. But maybe they're just r- trying to make us think that. I don't know. Yeah, or like at least to remind us that the purpose of this show is to fall in love and get married. Right, but I feel like more so than ever, the actual institution of marriage looms very large over these first couple of episodes. True. There's a couple of like brides or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, there's a lot of this like, you know, I, I don't know. I a lot just kept of spotting. willing participants for marriage. Right, yes. Yes. Um, now we re-enter the montage with Keely, Tash, Sophie, Georgie, and Cassandra, who, good luck, ladies. Mm. And then Sagant, who teaches Matt to say, will you marry me in Persian under the guise of, will you accept this rose? It's cute and cheeky, and that's all the time that we have with Sagant. I like that, though. Me too. I think it's really fun. Um, I don't know what the history of Persian people in this uh, show has been. It's cool that she gets to pop up here. It's cool that Australian people might be hearing this language for the first time in a lot of instances. Yeah. Uh, and she plays a fun trick with it. It's not just, her bit is not just that she is Persian, but also that she is like a bit cheeky and surprising. Yeah. So it's like, great, we've got a little bit more. We've got something to work with with her, and it's enough to sort of like breadcrumb it out for us to 
later in the episode revisit her and be like, oh, this oh. person's interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, also interesting is this whole next scene with Newcastle nurse Ellie, who has a surprise set up for Matt off to the side. Sure. Somehow she has stashed and stoked an entire small campfire over yonder. Yeah. Uh, complete with marshmallows to taste and plenty of time to have a chat. It feels like this season's first single date. Fully. Yeah. I um I was watching on 10 Play and I feel like, oh no, maybe we were channel switching or something like that. I don't know why I would do that or why I would admit to it on the podcast. Good but, Lord. But I feel like we cut back in on this thing and I was like, wait a second, hang on. Are we done with the limo exits? Do we move on? Did I miss something? Right. Yeah. But no, it is part of the limo exits. Yeah. It's this clear, in my opinion, breach of protocol. Like yeah. we almost never see anything like this. She has a huge chunk of time. Yeah. Uh, and, and it makes you wonder, like, could people have just been doing this the whole time and exactly. nobody thought to? Did no one think of this? Um, uh, what if someone's trope was like, I just like taking my time with everything. Yeah. You know? What if somebody stepped out of the limo and they were like, um, here, I've brought two sleeping bags for us. Now we <laughs> get to have an overnight day. Well, like here, That's I've good. brought two plane tickets to the Maldives. <laughs> and now to pay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Matt is clearly smitten with her. He says, she's amazing. Hmm. What a benefit to get this extra time. Sure. And it really plays out in a big way later in the episode. Yeah. Last to enter is 23-year-old Rachel, who aspires to be, quote, a hot young bride. There you go. She yeah. arrives in a wedding dress uh, with a bouquet of roses and her friend Tonya in tow, which mm-hmm. I've also never seen before. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing. Tonya is, is not acknowledged for the first moment. and She's just kind of tailing behind her. Also comes out of the same vehicle. Yeah. It makes you think, like, I didn't see her on the sweeps. She, yeah, exactly. She... You and I were watching this being like, is, is this one of the contestants? Secret extra person? Yeah. No. Weirdly enough, she's not. Although she's Matt... just complicit in the joke. Right. And Matt takes a moment to speak with her as well. Yeah. As if, like, maybe he's not even sure. It's really, really strange. Like, he's like, well, every woman yeah. is mine for the taking, <laughs> surely. Matt pulls Tonya aside and he's like, what are you doing here? Mm. And uh, Tonya is like, oh, I'm in a relationship. I just came to help my friend along. Mm-hmm. And... It's weird because we look at that and we look at Rachel off to the side after she and Matt have not had much of a scintillating con- conversation. He mm. says, I'm an astrophysicist. And she says, yep. And then he says, it's lots of fun to speak about. And she says, nothing. Mm. Sparks are flying. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in confessional, after she's walked away and Matt instead chooses Tonya, mm. she's like, I can't believe my best friend is stealing my limelight. What a little bitch face. What's his name again? The key word there is limelight, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Rachel appears to have some clear intentions for being on this show. Yes, I would say something of an ulterior motive. (laughs) Also, like, it is funny that, like, you brought your friend along and then were surprised that she stole some of the focus. You didn't have to fucking bring her. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, if it's a big deal that she was talking to him, uh, maybe you guys aren't super close. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, yeah, that's the thing that you can't uh, be trusted not to steal the limelight, Tonya. Mm. Mm. I don't I don't want a friend like that. I want Tonya to come yeah. back. Important to note here, though, Matt finds a way of saying something nice about Rachel and all of the women who he meets who he gets the chance to weigh in on this night. Like, True. for Rachel, he says, um, I don't think I've ever met someone like Rachel instead of, like, this person seems insane. What a psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I can't wait to eliminate her. Yeah. yeah, I think production has been super kind to Matt in that way, mm. and he's r- like 
risen to the occasion in confessional where he's given a chance to say something nice about everyone and yep. it does and it plays into the hands of this whole construction of he's not like the honey badger who wouldn't say anything to anyone he's right. very complimentary yes that's true yeah um okay that was uh all 20 of the bachelorettes uh-huh. Uh-huh. so far right we progress to the cocktail party enter our fearless host osha gunsberg looking sharp with a fade a bow tie and a deep purple suit boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. um he takes care of the formalities, he explains what roses do, and incentivizes the evening with a new twist. Right. It's not the white rose, it is not the double delight rose, it's not the Harvey Norman halftime KFC replay rose, it's the golden <laughs> ticket. It's a ticket to a hometown date with Matt in Melbourne, in which they will tour his factory and one by one be kidnapped, killed, or maybe both by an army of small green henchmen. <laughs> um... Interesting twist. Yeah, let's talk about the twist now. Mm. What do you think of it? Well, um, I thought it was a little unfair that the person who ended up getting it, which we'll talk about in a sec, but the person who ended up getting it only got it because their dad bought up all the chocolate bars <laughs> and opened all of them. They hired a team of people. Um, look, it's a big... Uh, it, it could be a big game changer. Yeah. They certainly want us to think it is. Yeah, I, I will say that it being a hometown date does not necessarily make it any more impactful than a regular date. Unless they get to meet his family earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And they can choose what that. to do with this. Yeah, and right. I think at this point, it's been deliberately left a little bit unclear. Yeah. Because, like, if, you know, if he ended up regretting it, I'm sure he could just be like, yeah, we're in Melbourne. He is... Uh, uh, we're going to Matilda. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, he is uh, one of the famous... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to Bill's dog park. <laughs> well, that, I mean... That would be something. Who would stoop? Um, (laughs) Emma is the person who is chosen for the first chat, which gives the producers the chance to deploy Rachel, giving her opinion on a woman that she claims is a stage 15 clinger. Zave, we've been watching Wedding Crashes, you and I, annually as a tradition since 2005. Do you think it's tough to limit it to yeah. once per year for that it's classic really hard. film? <laughs> do you think it's time that we bend this terrible trope, or do you think that we should simply drink to the longevity of Isla Fisher's career? Well, I feel a little partial to Isla Fisher. <laughs> uh, I bank with her. So. Ah, good. Okay, yeah, yeah, very yeah. well. Uh, and also, um, she uh, made all my money disappear in. Uh, she, I don't know. She was in that magic movie. Oh, this the magic nothing. movie. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I think we should certainly drink. <laughs> uh, we should also drink because, as you predicted, there was also a thank you next within the first hour of this show, <laughs> also courtesy of Rachel. I just I like thinking because we've been watching this show for a while now. Yeah, and we know that there's like a certain length of time between when the show is taped and when it is, and you just try and pick. Like in my mind, it's fun <laughs> to try and pick out what culturally significant thing will rear its ugly head. Yeah, if uh, it was filmed three months later, we'd be all taking our horses to the old town road. Right, but because it was filmed probably in what. February of mm. this year. Isn't it fucked up that no one's going to mention Old Town Road on this entire season? No of one has their horses in the back, Zave. Yeah, we're going to yeah. have to wait until Bachelor. <laughs> um, and then someone will be like, mm, can't nobody tell me nothing. <laughs> um, we finally check in with Emma and Matt. Matt reveals that he is probably on the same page as Emma in their little chat off to the side, and he says they probably want the same thing. 
And then that's it because Rio Born Bachelorette Mary cuts in. The first cut in of the, the season. season. Yeah. Back in the group, we see Emma tell the girls how nice the chat was. And then some of our more reasonable narrators, like Vako and Abby, give us the state of play in a way that is less mean mm-hmm. than what Rachel does. Mm. Abby suggests that Emma needs to reel it in a little bit. And I think that she's sort of supposed to act as this voice of the audience. Yeah. Here, you know, um, which is weird because they set her up earlier as someone who is totally unreliable with the astrophysics Gemini thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, it's as if they didn't know that they had gone so hard. Like they, when they clipped that part out, yeah. they probably forgot about all the other characterization that they were going to do with her. Yeah. Um, Cause it really doesn't quite line up. Yeah. It, it, the whole thing feels like that isolated incident at the start feels completely out of tune with everywhere else that we've been headed with Abby mm. through two episodes. Next, we see lots of women cutting in on Matt's time. And in confessional, he says, it feels like I'm the only guy at a busy pub. And I'm like, yeah, dude. That's exactly kind of what's happening. And the drinks are all free. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's less of a pub, I guess, but other than that. Yeah. Yeah. Matt then says he's looking for something different to what he'd find in a regular chat. And we see him approach Sagant, who captured his attention on the red carpet. They sit, they recap their red carpet chat. Uh, good strategy from Sagant also to give Matt a reason to come back to find her. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty chuffed by the revelation that what she's actually taught him is, will you marry me? Yes. The music starts again. Sagant gives us our first right reasons of 2019. Fantastic. And in confessional, we see that she's chuffed too, although she's presented as someone who is pretty down-to-earth, taking it day-by-day, date-by-date. Uh-huh. It seems like there's real chemistry there, and I think purposefully they kind of want us to see how similar that these two characters are. Yeah. Yeah. Later, Vako compares Matt to a chocolate cake, um, and in her only confessional on the show, Sophie says that his job sounds fake. And then in already somehow her 700th confessional on this show, (laughs) Rachel says that she has no idea what Matt's job is. Now, I had Sophie (laughs) in this week. Oh. And when I saw this one confessional, I was like, oh, yeah. Yep. Well, (laughs) I swiftly bought another one. (laughs) Eleanor spends some time with Matt on the batch couch, hoping not to be interrupted, lol. And before she gets through the basics of who she is and where she's from, Hannah jumps in and asks about her relationship deal-breaker, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yes. Yes. This is a bit of fun. She uh, talks about the beautiful elvish language. She does a bunch of finger guns with sound effects, and Eleanor is cut out of the convo pretty much completely. I like that Hannah is interested in Lord of the Rings, because up until this point of this episode, yeah. I had been referring to her as drunk Kate Blanchett. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be too... I mean, I, I I feel like that's mean, but also being compared to Kate Blanchett on any level is like one of the greatest honours that anyone could ever hope for. That's quite true. Um... But I don't know. That gives her a bit of character. Uh, it's nice, yeah. I Honestly, think... when I like when we saw this, and then she ends up getting booted. That's right. I was pretty surprised. Yeah, me too. Um, although I guess maybe Matt's not that much of a movies guy, right? You know that they were books, right? <laughs> Please. Yeah, but Love Actually as well earlier. Oh, that's true. Yeah. God, me and Matt are nothing alike. <laughs> I've seen the Angry Birds movie. Yeah, and many more. <laughs> Ellie is the next person 
to dance the uncomfortable dance of interruption. Mm. And she does it really gracefully, mm-hmm. I think. She um, sort of comes up and tepidly taps Matt on the shoulder and says, I'm not interrupting. Mm. Makes that really clear. But when you're free, come find me. Yeah. It's a nice way to go. And it's Is she the one who comes and brings him a drink or is that somebody else? Vaco. That's Vaco. Yeah. Another like graceful, you know, like I wish to be acknowledged, but also I don't need you to drop everything right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can finish doing what you're doing. I'm secure enough in who I am and what we're about. So you finish playing here and then come hang. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, clear that we're kind of supposed to like this, right? Yeah. And we do. Sure. Yeah. Um, and the situation is like approached with tact. Mm. And it doesn't totally pan out because Matt is interrupted, interestingly, by Vaco right. on the way to find Ellie because she's doing her bit of walking the red carpet again. Mm-hmm. And then Nicole intercepts the interception. Is this Inception? <laughs> is that what that is? It's an interception within an interception. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone in confessional confirms that, unlike us, Nicole is not here to make friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> Goodness me. Yeah. What are we going to do with a person like that? Um, she does that thing where Xavier asks me who I am and what I do as if we've never met, please. Oh, um, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, what's your name? What do you What do you do for a living? Who are you and what do you do for a living, dickhead? Uh, <laughs> That's Nicole yeah. in a nutshell, this, yeah. this first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of, like, cool, and I like that she doesn't take any shit, but she's it's so <laughs> confrontational. Yeah, she's, like, on one hand, I'm like, hell yeah, she's a motorcy- motorcycle badass. And on yeah. the other hand, I'm like, take a chill pill, please. <laughs> <laughs> we have to check back in with China Crazy... Kristen, mm-hmm. in a smash cut in which she encourages multiple women to travel to China. Sure. I don't know if this is totally fair. Like, if you and I were meeting 20 different people, mm. how many times do you think that you would introduce yourself and say all the main things about you? Like, you work in music, mm. play in bands, mm-hmm. and you like the pee scene in the Angry Birds movie. Would you say <laughs> all those three things to 20 people? Probably if you're meeting one of them. <laughs> I will say, like... Um, uh, I try not to mention that stuff at all, if possible. Right. I maintain a level of mystery. But <laughs> you are a person who I know loves mentioning one place that you have traveled, or I guess are from. Oh, Ballina. Yeah, you yeah. talk about that any chance you get. Absolutely. You'll create the opportunity for it. It's definitely a thing do that I do. Do you think they would play, like when you were on The Bachelor yeah. or whatever, do you think they would play, what was that song you were telling us about? Um, the the ode to the prawn or whatever. Oh, celebrate the prawn. Celebrate the prawn. Those little red darlings, shoot them up with a squeeze of lemon and a splash of beer. Um, the copyright for that song belongs to Howard Hughes, um, who is an 88-year-old man who wrote the song for the prawn song for the Ballina Prawn Festival, Celebrate the Prawn, Okay. in the year 2013. Are you just I giving him credit right now? Yeah, you've got to okay. give credit to the author. Um, he is mad dead, and I don't know if copyright extends in perpetuity um, after... You become deceased. There's no way of any of us knowing that. That's absolutely until fine. we get the letter. Yeah, but um, I mean, like, if you were on Batchy, that would be your gong, definitely. And, like mandolin music or whatever. Yeah, it'd be like yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 really like that's how I would introduce myself, and I think that they've seen the opportunity to just cut Kristen saying China together. Yeah, I get you. I get Donald Trump montage kind of way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I do love. Abby's response to everything that's going on here. She's like, look, I haven't visited it, but it's not going anywhere. Mm. Mm. Kristen's like, leave today. Yeah. And she's like, I might. China will be around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
it's uh, it's love music again, Zave, and we're back to Ellie, who gets her chat. We're seeing Matt fulfill his promise to come and spend time with her, and we're seeing the seeds being sown of a really compelling second or third place finish and a good <laughs> run on Paradise next year. I hate when you can spot that, but yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's better to spot that than to spot somebody who is literally just using Bachelor as, like, an obligation so that they can then get their ticket to Paradise. You know totally, what I mean? Totally, yes. Like, there are some people who are like, yeah, I guess I'll go on Bachelor if it means I can go on Bachelor in Paradise. Right. Much like our uh, former down-to-earth Novocastrian Tara. Sure. Uh, we're also getting, I, or at least I am, similar vibes from Ellie here. This is my big takeaway is um, Ellie was the other person who I got in our sweeps. Yes. And a lot of people in my office were like, oh my God, you must be so stoked. Fantastic. Like she has got such strong winner vibes. And me being very clever and smart. <laughs> Resourceful. <laughs> yeah. I, I get the very strong impression that she is getting the, the sort of sweet, wholesome, down-home country girl with a heart of gold. But like, Who not ultimately quite... gets heartbroken. Right, yeah. yeah. She's not she's not like Bogan like with a heart of gold not like some of them are, but she's just like, yeah, it, it's, it's setting up for her because she's just not quite, from these two episodes anyway, she doesn't quite have the like spunk. Well, she's not being given the narrative, right? Yeah. She's not really being given the chance to... Um, uh, say in confessional anything other than stuff about Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so we're not getting to know her in that way and in any other way than how she feels about Matt, which is interesting. Mm. Um, we also get the chance here to hear from Emma, who is beginning to get jealous of the other ladies, mm-hmm. which is good. Three hours in, I reckon. Sure. Probably can only mean good things for her. Yeah, super healthy. Yeah, I do like Emma, but I don't know that this is totally looking promising for her. It's around this point as well that I start getting a bit worried about her accent. Yeah. And like, I don't, we don't like to do too many silly voices on this podcast. Not at all. Um, I don't even want to talk about people's voices that much, but like, it is really interesting. It's Irish, right? It's, well, she's Irish born, but she has like kind of a strong American accent in my opinion. There's something there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Mm. We cycle back to 28 year old chemical engineer, Chelsea. She was the one with the oxytocin and... It's revealed that Matt still has the tattoo on. Yeah. We get another nice hot zoom. Um, this tattoo, I got to say, has definitely been reapplied. So that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because yeah. like this this uh, sequence, this like first day thing, yeah. uh, first night, I mean, um, typically takes a very long time to put together. Uh, like I believe like three nights right. is the average shooting time for this first night. Mm. So... Matt has met Chelsea two days ago, literally, mm. and put the tattoo on. Yeah. And then now, two days later, they've reapplied the temporary tattoo, which, yeah. if you're not from the scientific community, is temporary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you learn about that in uni? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. Um, and uh, I definitely am getting, like, really strong winner vibes from Chelsea mm. in this scene where they're just like... They get on on an intellectual level. I'm pretty sure they want to bang already. Sure. Yeah, it's all yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the golden ticket goes to Ellie, who right. wins a trip to Melbourne for her services. Which is where she will be sent home, maybe. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> There's No, I shouldn't be so dismissive because no, there is so much to look forward to in Melbourne. Yes. Like During the three years that I lived there, I got shot on by no less than five separate birds. <laughs> So, 
She's stoked to get the ticket. I'm stoked for her. Better you than me. Um, <laughs> Soak up some of that good yeah, Melbourne shit. Some of that good Melbourne Federation Square Seagulls. Where do they come from? Bird shit. <laughs> Um, it's all nice. Like uh, Matt says that he has butterflies. I'm thinking about it. I lived in Melbourne for close to two years. Yeah. I don't know if I got shot on by a bird the entire time. I lived under a tree. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> I lived under a rock. So. <laughs> um, Mary uh, says that she hopes Ellie is a bad kisser. And Emma, when she receives the news that Ellie is the person who has gotten the golden ticket, mm. is visibly winded. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's an emotional night. <laughs> Uh, that's all the cocktail party we have time for because now it is time for the dun, 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 rose ceremony. Oh my god, which of all the people that we didn't meet are going to go home first? Ellie has a rose in hand already via the golden ticket and two ladies will be leaving the mansion tonight. Headed home are Sophie, whose one confessional was about how astrophysicist is not a real job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who Keely, I got in this wave, so that's no, I'm so sorry. Yeah. About, yes. And Keely, who recorded zero confessionals and got to say her name and looked nice in a dress on TV, mm. which is a pretty good result. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to go on Bachelor and not get any airtime, do it that way. Yeah, didn't do yourself any personal harm. Absolutely not. You yeah. were on the show. You got some great press shots out of Probably it. Probably get some good photos, yeah. Exactly. You get all kinds of TV experience, which might make you employable later. Uh-huh. You have fun stories to tell people about how you sat in a hotel room for three days while you met 19 other women. <laughs> and guess what? Now BOH Pod is following you on Instagram. <laughs> so <laughs> the greatest prize of all. <laughs> and you don't have to end up married to some schlub. Oh. Some hot nerd. Some hot nerd. Mm. Um, who's only the second best Matt in this Bachelor franchise. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking I would love to talk to Laura someday and just be like, r- like days after she just had a baby with her Bachelor Matt. Yes. The, uh, out of the woodwork comes this other <laughs> Matt. Like they've moved on so quickly. <laughs> I wonder how she feels. Yeah, how the mighty have fallen. Mm. That brings us to the end of episode one. Mm-hmm. But there's still a whole other episode to go. It brings us quite swiftly to episode two. And if you thought we were done meeting contestants of The Bachelor season seven, you are unfortunately wrong and also a bit behind and should watch these episodes. It's true. Before we get there, I do want to talk about how if you thought we were done watching The Honey Badger on our TV, you are also sorely mistaken. Mm. Because he pops up almost every ad break for Trady Undies. Yeah. Who have clearly signed this like two year deal with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we saw him a lot during his own season, of course. And that yes. makes sense. But now he is Australia's most hated man. And he has a contractual obligation. And he still needs to get his paycheck. Yeah. So what have they done in the Trady Undies ads? Basically, you see like four seconds of him. And then they've put two bikini babes. Yep. And, <laughs> and you never see him again. Yes. You just don't see hear him say anything other than, Oh, Trady. And then like, it's just your obligation is over. Uh-huh. And we're not using you, and instead concentrate on these women. Every moment he spends on screen is doing active damage to the tradies' brand. A hundred percent. I would ditch him if I was in their marketing team. Mm. Um, and I would also, if I, w- if, I don't know, if I were in that position, I would find some way to get out of that contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it's not good for either of them. No, anything. like you and I were watching that, and he came on the TV, and we were both like, no! <laughs> we were like, ah! <laughs> you and I both removed our underwear for True. fear that they may be tradies. <laughs> Neither of them were. No, no. Thank God. Mm. Um, we would have to. I think burn tradie mm. is the hashtag that was trending on Twitter at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. 
Let's chat about this second episode, which of course is The Bachelor Australia Season 7, Episode 2. Seven seasons? How wild. Isn't that insane? Um, So we see the first date card, of course. Um, This is uh, crucial to the operation of the show. It's all up in the air. The really interesting thing is the the clue, which kind of leaves it a little bit open, right? Right. Well, that's the thing. Uh, The clue reads, we don't always speak the same language, but I feel that we are in tune. And we do have a few bilinguals this season. Um, I don't know if we have any bisexuals this season. I would love to see that. Um, But, you know, we know Kristen speaks Mandarin. Eleanor speaks French. Sagan speaks Persian. Um, There was another. uh, Matt speaks chemicals. Mm. That's not even his field. Nope. Fucking hell. Um, It turns (laughs) out Sagan gets the date. Great. Um, Matt says that she is full of surprises. You remember she did that surprising uh, wedding proposal bit in the Great. last episode. Um, so it's nice for him to be able to do the most surprising thing that a bachelor can do and take her on a helicopter ride. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the lead up to this though, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, where she's like, what are we doing? How are we going about it? And she's yeah. very gullible. Uh-huh. And then, I don't know, he sets her up quite well and I thought this was the first insight that we got into his personality Mm. so um, they admire the scenery from above they're in this helicopter they do the usual helicopter thing I noticed that we're looking at boats from the helicopter so we're checking everything off the list in one fell swoop um, and then they, uh, you know, they, they disembark, they arrive at a park where they do a little bit of bushwalking before they then stumble on some fancy clothes together and then they get changed, and then it's night time, and then they stumble on a chamber orchestra who perform Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, which they then watch from a batchy couch. This is one of the most convoluted dates I can remember seeing on this show. It's absurd. And it's bizarre to think that this is the first one. Yeah. Like, it's like the writers, I assume there's a writer's room for The Bachelor. They all came in, they were like, all right, great. Season seven, we got Matt, he's going to be fantastic. We got this first date, we want to, like, really hit the high notes of what this series can do. And they came up with too many ideas. (laughs) And they were like, what if we pass these out throughout the entire season? They're like, no. No. We want every single one of them to happen at once. (laughs) We're going with the helicopter bushwalk elegant string quartet date. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, also weird that they just had clothes in their exact sizes hanging in the middle of the bush. So strange. I don't really understand. Like, is, <laughs> it, is it meant to be like a spontaneity yeah. thing? What kind of Hansel and Gretel shit is this? <laughs> Truly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of on one level, because I studied music and was interested. I'm always interested in the ways that they, um, have music performances in the show. Yeah. In US Bachelor, it's mostly like current contemporary, like, country pop or whatever. Yeah, Luke like Bryan or Sean Mendez or someone like from that. Down yeah. south who's like, you know, very wholesome and they can have a bit of a slow dance too. Australian Bachelor seems to be very focused on like classical music. Yeah. And it's interesting to gauge the ways that the uh batchies and their dates react to it. Because it is normally with some level of respect, but often there's quite a bit of chat and a fair bit of like laughing and that kind of thing. But I really liked the way that they sort of sat politely and listened and enjoyed the experience. Yep. Um, It was drowned out by the uh, uh, monologue. 
and also a different orchestral score played over the top. I didn't catch that. Is that true? That's there's absolutely no part of what we listened to was the recording of them playing their instruments. Yeah, right. A, like imagine thinking about trying to mic that up. And well, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The, just the logistics of trying to record that. So Max, you have worked in in the production of a music television TV show. Certainly. Uh, so you would know you're an expert on this. I would say. <laughs> No, but let's continue. <laughs> What's all about? Yeah, yeah. I I think you're right though. Like the capturing that weird rainforest audio or whatever would have been quite difficult. There's absolutely like I just ha- have headaches trying to think about how you would do this. Like those environments are designed for the specific purpose of capturing sound, mm. and this is not one of those environments. Yes, yeah. and there were no like little clip-on microphones at the end of trumpets, yeah. and there were no mic stands and all the kind of things that like would contribute to that kind of recording overheads, mm. all that mm. sort of shit. Mm. So what they've done is they've got some candid audio of what it sounds like, and instead they've piped a score in over the top. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I still think it's set a mood for the two of them. Certainly. Despite not being the thing that we heard, um, I think I, you could see that they were appreciating it. Oh, yeah. Um, it seemed like it was a very nice like mood. Uh-huh. Um, despite the fact that I was somewhat bewildered by what was <laughs> happening on this day. Um, but it, it starts getting a bit vulnerable. Sagan talks about how she's been single for seven years, um, and it's taken her a little while to let somebody else in since splitting with her last partner. Yep. Um, which she says like they split for the family reasons or something. Yeah, something like that. Which is about interesting. I, w- I would have been curious to see if they could have interrogated that a little more, but also like it's not Matt's role to necessarily be like, tell me more about the reasons you split up. True. I think what was said was that um, her family didn't, or, or, or rather his family wouldn't accept her. Right, yeah. Something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, along those lines. And she said that she wanted to be accepted into whatever family that she becomes a part of. Sure, yeah. Which is definitely someone's right. Right, of course, as yeah. It's all you could yeah. ask for. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not all you could ask for. It's the least you could ask for. It's part of what you could ask for. It's <laughs> an aspect. <laughs> it's one thing. It's something you could ask for. You could for. request. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a nice, yeah, it's a nice vulnerable moment. Matt says it was a perfect first date and he hands her a rose. Uh, they share a nice-looking kiss. Yep. I think it must have been a nice day. I was just kind of knocked on my socks by it, and not in, like, the great way, but more in, like, a I'm just quite of, kind of puzzled. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was, like, magical to me. No. Um, there was It was too complex, I think, to be magical. Like, yeah. you think about those really magical dates in Batchy history, like the Maddie J and Georgia Love in the pool date. You sure. know what I mean? Like, and all that took was a pool. Yeah. Right? And because the, the real draw card is their actual... Chemistry. Chemistry. Yeah. Which, like, you can't expect for the first date of the season. Yeah. Um, but I think the show kind of got in its own way a tiny bit here. Yeah. Uh, what I think they did do is, like, they, like, produced this environment that was really conducive to, like all of the feelings that you should feel if you wanted to rush someone into falling in love, right? right. Yeah. You manufacture the strings and the romance and it kind of doesn't matter who it is. Exactly, right? It's just like, oh, we're in a love setting and she kind of says in confessional, like, I'm, I could really fall for this person. Yeah. And what you're falling for, who knows if it's the person or not or if it's only part of it, but they're very, very deliberately and conspicuously placing you in an environment where you are like... Supposed to fall in love. This is where love happens. Yes. Yeah. 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 On this couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sagand comes back um, wearing her beautiful dress, carrying her rose. She tells the other girls that she and Matt kissed. 
naturally uh some of the women can't uh enjoy hearing about that don't enjoy it um and in narration emma says she's gutted uh this is pretty standard fare i think very much so the only thing here was that sagand was sort of talking about like the details of what happened and there was a little bit of fanfare about um she needs to shut up yeah do you think that she went too far with this or do you think that she did just the right amount i think it was fine yeah i thought it was probably it was fine and it was also well delivered Mm. right like where she was pretty sheepish about it and she wasn't bragging no she wasn't bragging and she was clearly just responding to questions that had been asked of her Mm. Mm. and that's just about all you can do with someone in that situation Um, and then we have this terrific little bit of theater. Yes. Which is my highlight of these two episodes, um, where it's time for a group date to happen. And it's like, it's a pretty standard opening for a group date. All of the girls have been invited. They're all super excited. They're hyped up. They're ready to just spend a bit of time out in the sun with Matt. And then we cut very abruptly to the silent, empty mansion. And then, surprise, (laughs) eight more women. Great turn up uh i mean slightly less of a surprise since half of my office already picked these women (laughs) in the sweepstakes but anyway um osha greets them uh he tells them that the bachelor mansion is completely empty which they are also seemingly surprised by um and then the funniest part is they cut back to this like Seemingly quite elaborate archery game yes. that is going on somewhere distant with the Bachi and, and all these other women. Uh, but they know that we don't care about it. Right. Chelsea gets a rose. We don't care. Like, no one cares. It is all skipped. Um, and uh, and then we go right back to the women chilling at the mansion. I just feel like this comic timing was so fucking great. It was really, really funny. Um, I, even setting up Matt in the confessional where he's like, I'm having the time of my life with these ladies. Right, yeah. I really thought that I might have been able to get to know them. And yeah. uh, now guess what I am? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then their totally inconsequential distraction date ends. <laughs> uh, and then they come home and Osha reveals that these eight new ladies have arrived. Um, so then Matt awaits the proper limo exits of the eight new women, which I guess they leave the house and they get into limos so that they can come back in. Positive. Why not? Yep. It's clearly a different night. They're all wearing <laughs> different clothes, whatever. <laughs> First up is Julia. She is a children's entertainer from New South Wales. Um, she's got a ukulele and she sings a little mostly inoffensive song to him. I've certainly heard worse on this show. What did you think? Well, I thought it was really interesting that it was basically just a cover of Max's song from a few seasons ago. <laughs> she did it went for one. Me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this is pretty nice as far as songs go. Sure. Um, it's it's just nice that um, they were able to give um, people an opportunity to remember Vance Joy in this episode. <laughs> it is 2019 and the ukulele is maybe a little bit cringeworthy. <laughs> but, uh, I don't it's know. cyclical. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're bringing it back. I right? was like... 10 bucks she sings the cover of Over the Rainbow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, could be next episode. <laughs> we know, we don't know. Uh, up next is Monique. Um, Mary says, she's got the boobs. I don't got the boobs. <laughs> um, Monique is a lingerie designer who everybody calls a bombshell, saying she looks like trouble. Uh, but Monique says she's a bit of a tomboy, actually. Um, she, worked for, she worked in the mines from age 19. Cool. So... Clearly, we learn quickly that there is a lot more to her that we will probably not learn anything about. It's re- it's really interesting that we um sometimes get a, a like a lot in a short amount of time. Like Monique's like, I design lingerie, but also I worked in the mines. Yeah, and here's this other thing about me, and here's the perspective of some other women. Yeah, 
But it's and like, and then we get Kristen, and everyone's like, "Did you hear what she said about China this time?" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's also, I just think this is quite a distillation of like an archetype of this show, hundred percent, which is like somebody. You know, somebody who has at least three... I mean, like, within ten seconds, we learn three things about her. Yeah. And the show will only discuss one of them from <laughs> here on out. Um, Sam, Jessica, and Renee all get skipped over. Uh, Tara listens to Matt's heart with a stethoscope, which is also a shirt-off moment. Nikki enters... Oh, this is the best one, actually. Nikki enters in a cheerleader outfit. Oh, this was funny. <laughs> she says, Bonjour, bitches. Mama's home. <laughs> it's like, I want that tattooed on my fucking face. Um, she has written a cheer for Matt. Um, Hi there. My name is Nikki. Finding love can be quite tricky. It's like, <laughs> great. Good. Yeah. Cool. Um, I don't know if she is a cheerleader. No. I don't think that part is addressed. No. Uh, but great. She. I noticed she, um, rather than cheering for any particular sports team or anything like that her mm-hmm. um, outfit just says the word cheer on it <laughs> great she does circle back before the end of the 20 second cheer is over to tricky again she does yeah she's yeah. like i'm tricky <laughs> and i'm nicky i didn't write any more of it i'm well, sorry that's what all do you we want? Need, yeah. yeah um it is tricky to rock a rhyme to rock a rhyme that's right on time <laughs> in my opinion anyway <laughs> Um, after she does the cheering, Nicole is like, oh, imagine what that energy would be like, be like in the morning. And it's like, oh my goodness, yeah, tell right. me about it, lady. Yep. I don't even cheer yeah, to me before I've had my freaking morning yeah, cup of joe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then we meet Danush, who is Persian, which shouldn't matter, except that that is Sagan's whole thing. And God forbid we learn anything more about Danush or really Sagan's. Despite the fact that we had a whole single date with her, um, the there's this big standoff. It's um, so bizarre. It is a bit odd. Yeah. Um, perhaps the weirdest part is hearing one of the roughly 20 white women on the show who says, but we have a Persian. <laughs> Which is just a delicious amount of irony as far as I'm concerned. We're uh, only allowed one. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, this, this was really complex. And yes. I thought it was kind of um i went from really liking sagan to being a little bit like ooh how ready is she to buy into this idea that there can only be one yeah 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 you know but then also being like well if that's how you've been conditioned and how everyone else is being conditioned then uh, i don't know is it on the show to not um take the thing which people have been clamoring for for th- this show yeah. online which is diversity yeah 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 and then to go do you know what here's your minorities let's make them fight right yeah and like watching it i'm like oh i'm a little disappointed that um you know they're being positioned in this way and i think to myself like well this is a great opportunity for them to be able to prove that they are not just persian but also individual whole people people yeah but then i'm also like but that's only because the situation you know, like the expectation is there that they are the same. That's it, right? You know? Yeah. And the and the con, you know, the context that they're in is like all Persians are the same, and it, therefore it's their responsibility to prove that they're individual people. When really, like that should be a given. It's true, and it's also weird that uh, right before the um, in the previous episode where Matt goes to sit down with Sagand, the confessional that he gives to camera is, "I'm really looking for something different." Mm. Mm. You know, and yeah. it, like the whole thing, um, 
I applaud the show. Mm. I think the show is has done a really good job in showing more cultures than more diversity than they usually show. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's a really good thing. Mm. Now it's that sort of like we enter that icky territory of how do we do that and do it in a way that is fair and that doesn't result in two Persians um, fighting like they're Pokemon. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that is a kind of Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's interesting because like, because there's such a bad track record of representation of other cultures on this show, they don't have any experience with dealing with it. So yeah. now that they've created a situation where it's not all white people, they actually are a little bit maybe out of their depth. Yeah. You would think that it's kind of not that difficult, but also like, you know, these are reality TV producers who have to create drama and tension and, and right. you know, exciting situations and that kind of thing, but also are trying not to, one would hope at least, acting yeah. in good faith, uh, trying not to create like, you know, racially yeah, divisive situations. situations. Exactly. Kind of yeah, thing. yeah. And so, like, you can definitely see the situation that plays out in uh, sitting around a table where the idea is raised to, well, we've got one person. Why don't we cast two? Yeah. See what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so, we go to the cocktail party. Osher is dressed in electric blue. He looks sensational, if you ask it's me. It's a great look. Um, and he brings the old and new women together. And we get this old versus new thing, which like is a kind of a touchstone of this show, but you would never ex- anticipate seeing it so early. I thought that the part of the reason that they brought these people in so early was to do away with this trope. Mm. But Australian reality TV is undefeated in its <laughs> creation of others. Yeah. And also, um, when reflecting on the reason that they introduced the women over these two episodes, yeah, I think what it boils down to, this is my opinion, is uh, episode one traditionally rates really well. Episode two, maybe not so much. Yeah. Maybe it's that um, Australian Idol thing of like people like the uh, entrances and the, you know, the early part of the show more than they like the end of it. Yeah, true, um, true, true. But maybe it's also just... I feel like for some people, the the appeal of this show is like, look at all these weirdos and how they try and get the attention or whatever. Yeah. When really, like, all that stuff is pretty phony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the falling in love stuff's what we're all here for. Right, yeah. But, you know, spreading it over two nights, it kind of makes sense to me. It totally makes sense. If you're going to have 28 people, I would rather skip over less of them and give more of them a bit more time. 100%. And how did we go here in terms of, like, confessional packages and meeting people? I didn't do the stats like you did. Yeah. Um, I feel like there were probably about four that got completely skipped over. Half or and like, half. Yeah, something like that. That's fine. Which is like, okay, because yeah. we're, we're bracing ourselves for a big elimination. At and the end that's of pretty this. much where we got to with the first episode anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've got this old versus new dynamic. It's, it's driven by um, one of the new intruders, Monique. She's the bombshell. She's not here to make friends. I think she even says it at one point. Um, Nicole points out that Monique looks identical to her, which again is a bit funny because like, there are also a few other like white blonde ladies (laughs) in the crowd tonight. Am I right? Yeah. Um, Nicole in particular, it looks like, um, if Jane Krakowski, I was going to say, yeah. Jenna from 30 Rock. Yeah, exactly. She looks like if Jane Krakowski was raised in a household that voted one nation. Yeah. Whew. And you know. Let's find out where yeah, she, sure, where her vote lies. Uh, um, you know, there's a bit more of Danush versus Sagand. They're having this rivalry. It also, to some extent, kind of seems like they're getting along. Yeah. Like, 
you know, they have created this situation where they're hoping that um, that sparks will fly and that kind of thing. Yeah. But also, it's like, on some level, I think they're both kind of stoked that there is another Persian person there. Totally. And, like, they try and make it seem like that makes their chance... That ruins their chances with Matt or whatever. And, like, maybe to some extent it does. Both of them don't stay throughout the episode. Only one of them stays on. That's but, true. But, like... They have a nice little moment here, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, there's some lovely chat, and it's presented as strategy on the part of Sagand, as mm. in, like, I'm going to take the other Persian person and make sure that there can only be one. Yeah. But by the end of it, it does seem like... Uh, what She's like, oh, this is what is I like. said to him. Like, I said it in Persian. I made him, you know, like... Yeah. Uh, oh, that's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, great. Yeah, and, like, she says the Persian thing, and she's like, oh, will you marry me? You yeah. You know, like, it's nice to have that on the TV. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, maybe this is one of the better moments of, like, female friendship in the first two episodes? Probably, yeah. It's not a focus of these two episodes. No. Typically, I mean, you wouldn't expect <laughs> it's it. It's typically not a focus of this show. No, no, no. <laughs> um, anyway, that's that's about it. Monique says, you know what's for dinner? And everyone's like, no, oh, do we get it? Do we get to have dinner? And then she goes, the old girls. That's not a bad line. Snap. And then we go to the rose ceremony. Um, Sagan and Chelsea have roses, but Osher announces that six of the women will be leaving tonight which is, in fact, the biggest cull in Bachelor Australia history. Although, it really doesn't feel like it. Like, I mean, six people do go home. That is accurate. But, like, it doesn't feel 1% as serious as, like, the culling of two women at the end of the last season of The Bachelor, for That's example. true, yeah. Uh, and we pretty much end up now at a place where we left the last episode. Right, Or yeah. maybe even a little bit inflated from where we were. Something like that. 20 minus 2 plus 8 minus 6. Ah, ugh, I don't know. We're at 20. Where where we started? Yeah. Um, Well, we started with zero. Mm. Started from the bottom. Ah. Um, Anyway, I think the rose order goes Julia, Monique, Helena, Nikki, Ellie, Nicola, Renee, Mary, uh, Jessica, Emma, Rachel, Brianna, Isabel, Cassandra, and Jesse. I do not know who most of those people are. Nope. Who is Jesse? Who is Cassandra? Cassandra was one of the montage people from the first episode. Yeah. Jesse must be a montage person from the second episode. Mm. Uh, that's all that I can give you. Okay, let's wait and see. Uh, we don't even see who went home, actually. No. Um, but it was Hannah, Tara, Sam, Georgie, Tash, and Danush. Okay, so we do lose Danush, and uh, we retain one quote-unquote Persian princess in mm. the house. Mm-hmm. Um, from that episode... It feels like we got kind of got rid of half and half. Some women that he was probably planning to eliminate from the first uh, set of montages. Mm-hmm. So, who do we lose? We um, lost Hannah, who was Lord yep. of the Rings. We lost Lord of the Rings, Hannah. Um, Tash was a montage person from the first episode. Georgie was a montage person from the first episode. And then you've got Sam, Tara, and Danush. Sam, Tara, and Danush must be uh, all from the second new people. From the yeah. second people. Yeah, okay. I do not know who Sam is. I do not know who Tara is. Nope. She is not. I, I certainly hope that when I Google Bachelor Tara, <laughs> this lady doesn't fucking turn up. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, nah, a good run from these ladies. Yeah, it's the right on. way to get in and get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we said before, like yep. if you haven't disgraced yourself, yep. you've literally done the best you could do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No one's made a mockery out of you. You've nope. not made a mockery out of anyone. You even survived being mentioned on the scathing Bachelor of Hearts <laughs> podcast <laughs> who will roast everyone from <laughs> potatoes to... Uh, good, keep going. 
turkey. Oh, wow, turkeys. Turkeys to the left of me, turkeys to the right, Zave. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that brings us to the end of two I episodes. I gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, this has been a treat. It has been. It's so nice to be back on the show. What a thrill. Mm, we're hoping to hear a little bit more from our friend Kelly this season. Mm-hmm. She's uh, out and about doing a bunch of cool stuff at the moment. We're proud of her. She's doing doing some real good things. She also doesn't have internet right now, yes. so she hasn't seen the show. Um, and... You know, hopefully we'll be able to bring you some special guests as well. We're trying to put together some cool stuff for this season. Yep. Stay tuned. Uh, you will hear more of us. I'm going away for a while and I have to give Max all the passwords. Oh, great. <laughs> That's exciting for me. <laughs> yeah. I've forgotten what they all are. Literally, who knows what will happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Um, but thank you for being here for the start of another wonderful journey. Yes. Uh, as we mentioned before, we did come here to make friends. Yes. So if you would like to follow along with us on social media, we uh, we live tweet the episodes when we can. Uh, we post photos of me when we can, mm. <laughs> and uh, you know it's all good. Track us down on Boh Pod. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Overcast. You can press that button on Overcast that makes our voices sound funny. Is that what I'm using? The button? I think so. Yeah, that's what you button. were telling me yeah, about yeah, the other yeah. day. Yeah. Makes you uh higher pitch and me lower. Yeah. Which like. I could use some help. <laughs> My voice uh, could use a little tweaking. Well, not mine. <laughs> no, I guess not. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope that you all have a wonderful week. And yeah. uh, you look after each other and yourselves. And uh, I wish you all the very best. Good. We did come here to make friends. Um, did you say that already? I did say that. Oh, great. Okay. Still well, true. It's true. Well, uh, if you've wished them all the very best, then mm. uh, I guess we've got to get out. Well, please take the time now to say goodbye. <laughs> Uh, I've forgotten the whole routine. I know, me too. Uh, thank you <laughs> it's again. Like we're tucking them into bed. I know. <laughs> and uh, night, night. Don't <laughs> let the bed bugs bite. Um. Uh. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>